Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We are back again in Jeremiah in chapter 33. Last time we finished with uh, 33 and verse 11. Let's continue from that point where God is describing the time after he brought back Israel and he's entering into the marriage relationship with them and says in verse 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, speaking about himself, and the voice of the bride and the voice of those who will say, and as I said earlier, he's speaking about himself, first that marriage, and then the fact that they come back together, now they again are going to also give in, you know, in marriage. And, uh, but in specific about himself, about that marriage, I mean, that's the priority, that's the number one, that's uh, the main emphasis here, and that's what they're going to say, praise the eternal of hosts. So that gives an indication, he speaks more about his own, uh, mainly, and then about theirs. And they will say, praise the eternal of hosts, for the eternal is good, for his mercy endures forever. Because they would remember that in spite of what they've done, and all the evils that they've committed against him, both houses of Israel and Judah, and the false religions they had, they were false, because when you inject a lot of error into truth, it becomes false. And you take a poison and you put it in a glass of water, the whole thing becomes poison. And that's why God, God called the whole thing iniquity. Both Judaism and, and Christianity are religions of iniquity. Because they're mixed. That's why he calls them vomit. And so now that he takes them back, washes them, and now they're without spot, without blemishes. That's the bride of Christ that he was talking about all along. The disciples knew what he was talking about. All those who were in the New Testament church, you know, the so-called the New Testament church, uh, all the members that were bought basically from the house of Judah all knew exactly what he's talking about but those that came later who were unlearned who didn't have the background didn't have the context had no knowledge whatsoever of the beginning of the story until that point knew nothing about the law and the prophets and the writings and the songs and to begin with they were not necessarily people of God some of them were but not having the background they got confused like all the others and finally became part of the others as time went by. That's what Paul, Paul had to tell them several times, like to the Corinthian, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. He says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, you're really ignorant people. You don't know the beginning of the story, how our fathers, not yours, they're the ones that came out of the land of Egypt and were baptized into Moses, you know, by the cloud and the water, and they all ate of that spiritual food and all drank that spiritual drink, and all followed that spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. So whom do you think is the first Christian? You think you are the ones? That was the ignorance he was talking about. And so all the others are ignorant people. They think they know. How ironic it is. And so he says in, uh, in verse 11 that when the marriage takes place, people will say, you know, the house of Israel, the wife, the church, Praise the eternal of hosts, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Husband is good, our God, the Redeemer, our Savior, Yeshua. He has many names, Yeshua is only one of them. For his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the eternal, and members of the religion that calls himself the true church, and others who follow their theology and say, well, God did away with the sacrifices, they were only until Christ came, and after that, they're all done away with. 
Nowhere in the Bible would you ever find this teaching, but in, 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 in those who are unlearned do, and do not understand what Paul is talking about. That the need for the sacrifice was there until Christ came. But he didn't say it was done away after he came because he himself continued to offer sacrifices. And so did, did the apostles in the temple. Until so-called the last day, you know. The last day of the temple. And that's what God is saying here. His people, his wife, are going to offer sacrifices of praise in the house of the eternal. The priesthood will be there. Later on, we'll still come to it and read it in detail in Isaiah, uh, that is in Ezekiel, last few chapters. And God says, For I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the eternal. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In this place, which is desolate, without man and without beast, and in all its cities, there shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. So there is going to come a time where it's going to be a desolation in the land, even though it happened several times before that, but this is speaking about the final one. Or unfortunately, because Judah follows in their own way, and the majority of them are not religious to begin with, and some of them who are religious are confused, and there are very few of them that probably are of God and have the Spirit. God only knows that. We don't know that. We think we know it all. And captivity is coming upon them. Half of the city, we're reading in Zechariah 14, is going to be taken to captivity. Well, you know, the people of Judah, we read many other places, going to be all over the place in the Middle East, in Iraq, in Iran, in Egypt, in other places. And among them, children of Israel, allied forces. Why do you think they're in the Persian Gulf? And there is no end to that story. God has something in mind there. He's still going on. That's why he preserved that evil man there in, in Iraq, a child of Edom, Babylon. You know, twin brother of Jacob, unfortunately, but went away from God. And God is going to use a relative, so to speak, twin brother of Jacob, to smite Jacob. And then he's going to turn around and smite the twin brother of Jacob, Edom. And wherever Edom is, all around the earth. And verse 12, he says, thus is the eternal, you know, for the, uh, the people that he's going to bring back are going to be shepherds and farmers and lie down in peace. Verse 13, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in other words, in Samaria, in Judea, in other words, all the tribes of Israel and their land. And they're going to be in Lebanon too. You know, those Lebanese, you know, they're fighting Israel over a tiny little piece of land in Syria too. And they don't realize they're going to lose the overwhelming majority. Lebanon, for one thing, is going to be totally gone, as far as the Lebanese are concerned, and go back to the inheritors, the children of Israel. Because they're going to be from the Euphrates. So much of Syria is going to be taken away from them, and most of them are going to be decimated. And some of them would remain and repent, and that land will be given to the land of Israel. And much of Jordan will be given to the land of Israel, the fertile area. And then all the way to Egypt, including five cities in the land of Egypt, that is the land of Goshen. That's what Isaiah 19 says. They're going to speak all the same language of Canaan, the language of the people of Israel. That's the reason for it. Of course, going to be uh, on a gradual basis. As they expand, as they multiply, they're going to expand north and south and east and west, as they did in the past. Verse 12, that's what God is saying. And then verse 13, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south, in the land of Benjamin, the places around Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, the flock shall again pass under the hands of him that 
who counts them, says the eternal. In other words, business as usual, like in the good old days, only much more. Verse 14, Behold, the days are coming, says the eternal, that I will perform the good which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. God is not a liar. Some people say, well, God didn't fulfill his promises. And say, I don't believe in God anymore. He's a liar. He doesn't fulfill his promises. Well, God is going to resurrect those people who say that and those who are alive and he's going to make them a monkey and liar. Some of them would rather choose to be a descendant of a monkey instead of God. Of the house of Israel and of all things. Verse 15, In those days and at that time I will cause to grow up to David. David. Not somebody else. Not you know, somebody from David. David himself in person. But out of that David, a branch of righteousness. And he shall execute judgment, speaking by the Redeemer. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. So for 2,000 years, I said, all the Jews went to hell. Well, they created a life for them that was hell on earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And to make a point, God said in, in, uh, in uh, Zechariah 12, the tenth of Judah shall be saved first. You know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Well, they were first and they became last. But then again, they became first. Because salvation is of the Jews and of the rest of Israel. And so, in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called. That is the city. The eternal, Yehovah, our righteousness. That's going to be the name of the city of Jerusalem. Yehovah, our righteousness. Every Jew who now thinks it's a blasphemy to say Yehovah is going to say Yehovah, our righteousness. Whenever he thinks about the city of Jerusalem. When their eyes are open, they are no more blind. Verse 17, for thus is the eternal. David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor shall the priests, the Levites, like a man to offer a burnt offering before me, to kindle grain offerings and to sacrifice continually. So when were the sacrifice, sacrifices done away with? They were never done away with when God says to begin with. They'll always be there. Only now people will understand what they really mean and what they signify and to whom they point. And I'm the ultimate one. And I'm the only one that can clear their conscience. But the sacrifices are a learning method even for spiritual people. And people today who call themselves, you know, people of God, they abhor this concept. They hate it. They don't understand it. It's strange to them. Well, when you're being fed, you know, with the false, you know, teachings for a long time, you think it's truth. And light becomes darkness and darkness becomes light. And that's what happened. God says, come out of this Babylon. You've been eating vomit too long. And the word of the eternal came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the eternal, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, can anybody do that? So that there will not be a day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And with the Levites, the priests, my ministers, my servants, the other ministers of God, 
Not those who call themselves ministers of God, you know, that are not of God and appoint themselves. And they are in so many religions. And they all call themselves, you know, ministers of Jesus Christ. They come in his name and deceive many. God doesn't recognize them. Verse 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David. I'm speaking only about David. My servant and the Levites who minister to me. So people say, well, I got all mixed up. Nobody knows, you know, what tribe is, whatever, you know, so there is no such a thing as Israel. What kind of a God do they serve who believe lies like that? Verse 23, moreover, the word of the Eternal came to Jeremiah, saying, Have you not considered what the people have spoken, saying, The two families, that is the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which the Eternal has chosen, see, God chose them, People, you know, there are people who say, well, God never chose Israel. There is no choosing there. God chose Israel. They are the chosen people. All of them. The Jews think they are the only ones. Because they forget sometimes about the rest of the tribes of Israel. And that's because for 2,800 years, you know, they haven't heard from them. As far as they're concerned. So, it's, it's, you know, it's understandable that it's, they're not on their mind, you know. Far from sight, far from heart. But all of Israel are the chosen people. That's why the, the people of Britain called British, people of the covenant. That's what they are. They're retained by their own name, their identity, and they don't even realize it. How drunk can they be? You know, the drunks of Ephraim. That's why he says, the two families which the Lord has chosen, he has also cast them off. And that's what people say, he said. That's what God is saying, verse 24. Have you not considered what these people say? And they've been saying it to this very day, and they're still saying it. And some among us are saying the same thing. Have you not considered what these people have spoken, saying, the two families which the Eternal had chosen, he has also cast them off? In other words, he rejected them and he chose us. That's the idea. Thus they have despised my people. As if there should no more be a nation before them. You see how angry God is at that. When people have that attitude and speak this lie and preach it from the pulpit. God despised, cut off his people, you know, especially after he came and died. That's it, no more. Now we are his people. Verse 25, that says the eternal, if my covenant is not with the day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, for I will cause their captives to return and will have mercy on them. That's why Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. There are awful, you know, awful lot of liars out there. Appearing as ministers of righteousness. Because the one that sends them himself pretends to be an angel of light. And God says, you, my people, you shouldn't be a part of that heresy, a part of this lie. Come out of it. Don't believe their lies. And spread it around as if it is true. And he who has an ear, let him hear. So let's always see it from God's point of view, never from men's point of view. Let's jump now to chapter 42. God always speaks very plainly. 
And as God said in Isaiah 66, heaven is my earth and the throne, and on the, that is, heaven is my, my throne and the earth is my footstool, but what kind of a pain? Or what house are you going to build for me? You cannot contend me in one house. And yet he said, that I'm going to have respect for the person. That person is going to be my house. I'm going to dwell in that person who fears me and trembles in my word. Hopefully people who listen are that kind of people. Then God is going to inhabit them, dwell in them. And so he said uh, to Jeremiah in chapter 42, after uh, Judah was taken to captivity and the remnant was left, you see, even though God took it, Judah into captivity, as horrible as they were, and he told them, you know, from the greatest to the least, they were evil, much worse even than Israel. Yet he left a remnant there, poor people, not rich, poor people. They tend to be, you know, more humble, especially repented also, you know, and full of faith. And yet even they had a lot of problems because they had evil leaders who led them astray, even from that condition where they were the remnant, and took them all the way to Egypt. See what the leaders oftentimes, the shepherds of Israel, are, do to, are doing to the people to this very day. And so he tells Jeremiah, you tell those people that come and ask you, well, what are we going to do now? Because they were scared and afraid, you know, of, uh, of what was going to happen to them. And so in verse 9 we read, and uh, Jeremiah tells them the words of God. And he said to them, Thus says the Eternal, the God of Israel, because ask him, please ask God, what are we going to do now? Whatever he said we're going to do. But they certainly did not. And so he said, Thus says the Eternal, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. This is what he said. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. God never wanted to send away his people, to destroy his people, because he hates divorce. And so he told them, if you will remain, just remain, you the remnant, just stay, stick around here, and serve me, obey me, we're going to continue the relationship. You know, going to be the, you're going to be a part of the wife that will go on. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent, or I repent. I'm sorry concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. It hurts me, but I have to do it. I mean, what loving husband wants to do that to his wife? And how much more than the husband of Israel? And so he tells the remnant of you, you know, he's in essence pleading with them, stick around. I'm going to make things all right. I'm going to multiply you. And we're going to continue the relationship. So he says in verse 11, Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. And the reason why they were afraid of him, because uh, one of their own, Ishmael, uh, son of uh, royalty, killed Yohanan. Now, Yohanan, Yohanan means the grace of God, like John the Baptist, John, Yohanan, same name. And it's uh, interesting that... Uh, the, the leader that was appointed over the remnant of uh, Judah, his name was the grace of God, because God was still showing them grace. So what do they do? One of the leaders goes and murders the leader of Israel, who is called the grace of God. And now they were scared that King of Babylon will come and, and uh, destroy them. So God told them, don't be afraid. 
Do not be afraid of the king of Ishmael, uh, the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. And it's ironic also that the, the one that killed him was also an Israelite. His name was Ishmael. Just like the, the son of Abraham that God told him, you know, get rid of him. Send him away. He doesn't belong here. So here is this evil, evil person without name. How ironic, you know, things ha- happen to be sometimes. You know, truth is oftentimes more fascinating than fiction. Verse 11, he says, Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Eternal, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. All of you, he's going to allow you to go to your own land. Don't be afraid. And then later on, he's, he intended to bring uh, uh, many of the captives of Judah also to the land. Verse 13, but he tells them, but if you, if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the eternal your God. And then, verse 14, saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt. And God told them, come out of Egypt. Come out of Babylon. He says, no, we want to go back there. And uh, sure enough, they went back to Babylon. That is, they went to Egypt. Some of them later on went to Babylon. Anything but obey God and come out of Babylon or out of Egypt. A lesson for all of us. Even though God has grace and mercy on some, you know, even those have a problem. So here we might say, you know, God is calling you know, his so-called... Uh, you, can, you can say he's calling some of them, remnant of them. And he said, I'm going to work with you. Don't be afraid. And they are afraid. And they become fearful. And God said, the fearful shall not be in his kingdom. So sure enough, he had to throw them out. And so all of them went to Egypt. And, he's, and God said, because, because of that, I'm going to send the sword after you. And Nebuchadnezzar is coming after you in Egypt. And all of you are going to die. But only very few of them, even then, were left. And so God is not respect to a person, but you see, you see all the way he wants his bride to come back to him, his wife, with all the evil they have committed. Let's go to chapter 46, verses, uh, verse 27, where we read the words of God, the Redeemer of Israel, what he says about his people. Verse 27, chapter 46, but do not fear, do not fear, he tells his people, oh my servant Jacob. Now it's talking after they were taken to captivity. House of Israel long ago. House of Judah just recently were, was taken to captivity. And still this is what God is telling them. And to the future generation and to our own generation. He says, verse 27, But do not fear, O my servant Jacob. You're still my servant, still my people, still my wife, still my church. There has never been a divorce. And do not be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest, and be at ease. No one shall make him afraid. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, says the Eternal, for I am with you. Don't believe all those lies that people tell you that God has rejected you, and I chose enough. And so they try to convince the people of God, join us, be, be, be a part of our, our church, you know. Be part of the whole and the harlots. But God says, for I will make a complete end of all the nations to which I have driven you, but I will not make a complete end of you. So God shows his intentions there and his feelings about his people in spite of all their wickedness in contrast to all the other nations of the earth, the Gentiles. I will rightly correct you, for I will not leave you 
fully unpunished. So I never respect her persons after all, but on the other hand, he says, you're my wife, no matter what, until the end of days, until eternity. People have to read the word, you know, the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ and believe him. That's why he told his disciples at the time, and the others who were not his disciples didn't follow him. He said, you don't believe me because my word is not in you. But if my word abides in you, then you'll have life. Let's go to chapter 50. That's applicable to us too, by the way. Chapter 50, verse 17. We read, God speaks continuously, Israel is like scattered sheep. Aren't we today like that? Because of the evil shepherds? So he says, Israel is like scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away, the devouring lions. First, the king of Assyria devoured him. Now, at last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus says the Eternal, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And that prophecy is also for the future. But I will bring back Israel to his home, speaking about the entirety of Israel. So, you know, he's speaking also about this generation. Babylon is still around, Assyria is still around. But I will bring back Israel to his home. His home. It's not somebody else's home, but claim to be, well, this land is mine. And the children of Israel, of all other nations, you know, are forcing their brother Judah to give it away to the enemy. And that's blasphemy against God. That's a part of the punishment that is coming upon all of Israel too. For giving up the land of God that doesn't belong to them to begin with, to the enemy. And so it says, but I will bring back Israel to his home, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan. His soul shall be satisfied on Mount Ephraim and Gilad. You know, this, uh, this is what, what is called the occupied territories. Occupied by whom? By the squatters that call themselves, you know, the inheritors of the land. Palestinians. That's what God is saying. He's going to give it back to, to his children. You know, the West Bank. Don't call it the West Bank. Call it Mount Ephraim and Gilead. That's what God called it. Learn to speak the language of God, not the language of the enemy. In those days, verse 20, and in that time, says the Eternal, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. And of the sins of Judah, but there shall not be found. No more vomit, no more sin, no more iniquity, no more Christianity. No more Judaism, only the religion of God. For I will pardon those whom I have preserved. Do we believe the words of God? And so we read now in verse 33. Thus says the eternal of hosts, the children of Israel were oppressed, along with the children of Judah, you know, both houses of Israel, now called by different names, along with the children of Judah, who all who took them captive have held them fast. They did it 50 years ago in Germany, Poland, other places, and they will do it again to all of Israel. This is where many are going to end up, and many, some of us, are going to be there too, to do the will of God, 
for his purpose, either to encourage them or we ourselves need to be a little bit more purified than we are willing to be now when we have a chance. And so he says, they held them captive, they held them fast, and they refused to let them go, just like Pharaoh refused. And God had to show him who is boss. Verse 34, the Redeemer is strong. The Eternal of hosts is his name. And he will thoroughly plead their case. That's like he did in Egypt. That's a warning to the nations in the future. That he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. And we must not be a part of that system and theology and teachings and terminology and in any way. God doesn't want poison in his truth, but purity of it. Only the word of God can give you that purity. And so God is going to take care of the Babylonian system and religion and lies and theology and deception and economy and everything that came out of it. So we have to listen to the words of God and perceive it as God had written it. And then let's go to chapter 51 and verse 5 where we read, For Israel is not forsaken, no Judah. That's exactly what people have been saying for 2,000 years and they're all liars. And when people say today that God put down Israel and picked up the church, they too are liars. God speaks very plainly. Israel is not forsaken, no Judah. So don't believe any liars who tell you otherwise. By his God, the eternal of hosts, the husband never forsook his wife. Though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. So let's not use one excuse. Because our sinners, God rejected them. God doesn't accept that. He makes it very plain. He told everybody about the sins of his own people. But he says, even though they've been evil, I've not forsaken them, neither Israel, nor Judah. And therefore he says, in verse 6, flee from the midst of Babylon, and everyone save his life. That's the only way we're going to do it. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the eternal's vengeance. He shall recompense her. And all those who join her, including his own people, if they do. Verse 7, Babylon was a golden cap in the Lord's hand, in the eternal's hand. Husband of Israel, the true church. And this is talking about the false church, the counterfeit church, and those who came from her, and those who joined her in theology and other ways. It says, so Babylon was a golden cap in the Lord's, in the eternal's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drunk her wine, therefore the nations are deranged, are mentally deranged, you might say. Do we want to be in that category? That's the way God looks at us. If we eat of the, you know, if we drink of that wine of Babylon, you're mentally deranged, he said to us, come out of it, you know. Be partakers of the Holy Spirit so you can have a spirit of a sound mind, not be insane. Spiritually insane. Verse 8, Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Wail for her. Then you read Revelation, you know, the rest of the story. And uh, 
story goes on. And it's very important to look at it from God's point of view and what he's saying about it. And then verse 10, we read, well, uh, verse 9, we would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. You know, people try to uh, repair the system, but God is going to destroy her, totally destroy her. So he says, forsake her. And let us go, everyone, to his own country. You know, give up on her. All the nations are going to say that too. They're, as a matter of fact, they're going to turn against her. That's what you read in Revelation. So put it all together. It's one book, you see. Isn't the Old Testament and New Testament books? It's one book, one story. And so God says, For her judgment reaches to heaven and is lifted up to the skies. And that's where her judgment is coming from, by the Redeemer of Israel, the husband of Israel, the true church. Verse 10, the Eternal has revealed our righteousness. The righteousness of the people of God that is going to plant in them. Come, now that he did, come, let us declare in Zion the work of the Eternal, our God. Make the arrows bright, verse 11. Gather the shields. The Eternal has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. For his plan is against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of the Eternal, the vengeance for his temple, his people, his church, his bride. Therefore, we must not come out of it and come out of Babylon. These are the words of the living God. You know, these are living words. These are not dead words. They shall come to pass. We're going to, to experience it in our own flesh if we continue with it. Many of us are, especially in a certain organization that we used to be a part of. I don't see anything wrong with going back to mainstream, they call it, into the whore and the harlots and becoming a part of them and eating their vomit and filth and stench and pollution and think, oh, God loves us. We love the grace of God. God is not mocked. So let's look at it from his point of view. And... In, uh, in verse 17, we read, Everyone is dull-hearted, without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by the carved image, for his molded image is falsehood. A lot of lies out there, and there is no breath in them. And there is no life in their, in their theology either. It's all dead, dead works. They are futile, a work of errors, not a work of truth. In the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Verse 19, the portion of Jacob is not like them. You see, the church of God is not like that. The people of God are not like that. The people that God is going to heal and bring back to himself. The church of God, the true church of God, all the house of Israel. And today there are only few of us. All the house of Israel and others that God grafted with us, you know, just little flock. But the church was not born yet, because God hasn't dealt with them yet as a whole, as a nation, as a people, as a church, as a wife. That's coming. For the portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. Israel, the eternal of hosts, is his name. Jehovah, you see, is his name of the armies, the armies of Israel. And so it's important to see it from God's point of view. Let's go to chapter, uh, well, let's go to uh, verse 45 now. 
verse 45. My people go out of the midst of her. Speaking to us. And let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the eternal. Which is going to fall on the people of God if they continue to be in the midst of Babylon and believe her teachings and lies. Verse 46. And lest your heart faint and you fear. You know what God said about those who are fearful. For the rumor that will be heard in the land, a rumor will come one year, the year, you know, the day of the Lord, the year of the Lord. And after that, in another year, a rumor will come. And violence in the land, ruler against ruler, you know, for kingdom shall rise against kingdom. You see, it's one book, one story. Therefore, behold, the days are coming that I will bring, verse 47, judgment on the carved images of Babylon. Her whole land shall be ashamed, and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then, verse 48, the heavens and the earth, and all that is in them shall sing joyously over Babylon, for the plunderers shall come to her from the north, says the Eternal. And as Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall, physically and spiritually, and many dead Israelites in the bosom of Babylon, the thing they are alive, so at Babylon the slain of all the earth shall fall. You who have escaped the sword, get away. Do not stand still. Remember the eternal afar off and let Jerusalem come to your mind. The city of God, heaven in Jerusalem, symbolic of the nation of the church. That is Israel. Many people forgot Jerusalem. As you can read in the psalm, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. You see? The Jews have not forgotten Jerusalem, but the people of Israel have. God says, let Jerusalem come to your mind, and all that it stands for, and the laws of Jerusalem. For the Torah, as he said, shall go forth out of Zion, and the word of the Eternal from Jerusalem. God says, think about those things that are departed from the law of God. But many of us say, well, that's done away with, or we don't want to hear about it. Speak to us from the New Testament. We don't want to hear about the Old Testament. God says, better remember Jerusalem or else. Verse 51, we are ashamed because we have heard reproach. Shame has covered our faces. For strangers have come into the sanctuaries of the Eternal's house. And this is what the people of God are going to say because they've repented, you know, they've rebelled against God. Therefore, verse 52, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Eternal, that I will bring judgment on her carved images. That is on Babylon. So, we shouldn't be a part of it. Totally come out of it. God warns us again and again and again. And how much does it have to tell us? And so God is going to bring a total end to Babylon, to the theology of Babylon, to the lies of Babylon, to the false church, to her teachings, to all those who join her. They're going to become partakers of her plagues. Yet to us, he says, don't be a part of it, come out of it. You know? Read the book. From the beginning until the end, as many have said in the past, read the book. Not read, you know, little pieces here and there, or just one part. Read the book, the entirety of it, from A to Z. That's what God is telling us. Read my lips. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, and is Use that terminology again and again and again. So, let's, let's read what he says. Not what man says that he says. 
And that makes it very plain. And so with that, we're finished with the book of Jeremiah. And then we go to Ezekiel, because the story goes on, and we'll go on until Revelation, last verse. God never stops. He that endures until the end, God says, shall endure, you know, shall be saved. And in Ezekiel, you can read an awful lot of things there, but we're going to take some highlights. And in chapter 11, we're going to chapter 11 of Ezekiel. And uh, the first few chapters, God speaks very plainly, but the rebellious house of Israel, house of Judah and house of Israel, they're stiff-necked, they're rebellious. You tell them the truth, they don't listen. How many of us are like that? They think we, know we are smarter, we know better. And what is going to teach me? Chapter 11. We read in verse 14. Again the word of the eternal came to me saying, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives. You know. He was in Babylon captivity. That is, not in captivity in the sense of captivity because some people misunderstand that captivity. Captivity means exile, away from the land. Doesn't mean that they were in prison. As some people, you know, misunderstanding what Ezekiel was going through and all the others they thought while well, he was in captivity he couldn't go and deliver the message to Israel so they invented a false doctrine the captivity that God spoke about was described earlier by Jeremiah where God told him well now you who are in Babylon just you know take it easy buy houses plant houses build houses plant vineyards you know that is plant fields and so and then and pray for the peace of the city so what, what kind of captivity is that well, that's not the kind of captivity that we, we uh, introduced because of a figment of our own imagination, being unlearned, not understanding what we are reading. And so we invented the doctrine because we thought, well, if Ezekiel is in that kind of captivity, obviously he cannot deliver the message to Israel, so we are going to do it. That's unlearned. And so God says, Again, the word of the, the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives, your countrymen, and all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel in its entirety, are those about whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get far away from the eternal. This land has been given to us as a possession. So the people that remain in Jerusalem, you know, they became arrogant. Well, we are here and you are there in Babylon. Speaking about Jews, you know, both sides. God calls them, you know, all of Israel, and they, they, you know, uh, extended that attitude also to all the rest of the tribes of Israel. To the, to the Jews, their fellow men, were taken to captivity, and also to the rest of the tribes of Israel. Verse 16, Therefore say, Thus says the Eternal, your God, the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the nations, the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. In other words, I'm going to go down into captivity with them into exile, wherever they are. I'm never, I'm never you know, going to leave them. The husband is not going to leave his wife. So I'm going to be with them wherever they are. I'll be their sanctuary. And so when the Jews build you know, synagogues all over, the, all over the world, they say, well, this is what God uh, said, you know. He's going to allow us to have a sanctuary everywhere, and that they were true. And uh, the children of Israel, to whatever degree they had the knowledge and information, for centuries they did, they did the same. Many of them, you know, still remain faithful, at least in part, to the knowledge of the head from the, the days of Egypt. And they too had their, their you know, so-called synagogues, you know, I don't know what they call them, where they came and served God. And uh, others, you know, they, they, they build their churches, which, they, you know, they call churches, you know, because language developed and names uh, became different. 
And they said, too, well, this is the sanctuary of God. Sanctuary of God. And the problem with that was that both houses of Israel and Judah, that is, house of uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, you know, mixed it with vomit. So the Babylonish religion in which they were. And so it was no longer. Yes, it was sanctuary of God, but just like the temple. You know, they brought idols into the temple. And, 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 and did slay uh, pork there, swine, you know, all that stuff. And that's unfortunate. But anyway, God says, I'm going to be a sanctuary for them. Therefore, say, thus is the eternal God, I will gather you from all the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. It is the land of Palestine, the land of Israel. Why do people hate the language of God? Terminology of God. Verse 18. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things, and all its abominations from there. Everything that is there that is not of God, God, this is what God calls it. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. You see the terminology that God uses for his law, in contrast to the other religions? Halakha on the part of the Jew, and Christian principles and doctrines and values and all that on the part of the children of Israel who join the other false religion. God says, my statutes and my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations and their religions and their theology, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the eternal God. And how plain can that be? God makes it very plain. His feelings. But all the lies, all the false teachings, false concepts that are in the heart of his people, Israel, and including those to whom he gave the Spirit, but still are mixed up to a degree. You know, that's why we must, we're commended to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of the Eternal, of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, the husband of Israel, the God of Israel. And how close are we to that state of mind? We, you know, we're so far away, farther than we, we think we may. That's what God tells us through the Apostle Paul and others. He who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. And I think at this point we're going to stop. And I shall say greetings to all of God's people. Since it is Friday, I'll say happy Sabbath to all. Until next time, this is more. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions, the Bible has answers.